Welcome to the Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Vienna Assembly of God, located right here in Vienna, Virginia. We're so glad you've joined us today. Hope you enjoy today's sermon. So last week, our focus was nothing is impossible with God. Can you say that with me? Nothing is impossible with God. And then Jesus said this himself, but shifting the words this way, he said, with God, all things are possible. Can you say that with me? With God, all things are possible. So God shattered the impossibilities confronting us. We were helpless without a savior, And Jesus came to us through an impossible virgin birth in order to offer himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sin. His impossible birth opened up the door for the rest of the gospel to be written because nothing is impossible with God. This is a truth that must really never escape us or we're going to not be able to grab today's message. This is perhaps the phrase most used by angels in the Bible. This one that we're looking at today. Do you know what it is? Do you? Angels would almost always say this. Do not be afraid or fear not. Yes. So today's text is from Luke chapter one, verses five through 20. And uh, it will be here on the screen for you. And we're going to read. Starting at verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled And was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. 
and you, now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that our ears will be ready to receive and to hear your word, that our hearts will receive what you're speaking to us. Anoint me as I speak it out, Father, and help us to truly accept. Do not be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. Do not be afraid. So setting the stage for this momentous day in Zechariah's life, uh, the scripture says his division was on duty. So the way this worked, the division was one of 24 groups of priests that had been drawn up back in the time of King David. This is in First Chronicles 24. The priests in each division were on duty twice a year for a week at a time. So Zechariah was of the division of Abijah is where we read. So commentators agree that the number of men in the priestly ranks was so large that no person was permitted to offer incense more than once in his lifetime. We also learn from this passage that Zechariah was old, but on, and it makes me wonder if he had decided he was never going to have a turn. Because here he is already old and is one of these, you know, you only get to do it once because there's so many in line. How many stood in line any recently? <laughs> there's lots of lines out there during the holidays. But anyway, so many were in line. And so here he is. And on this day, it falls to him. He was the one whose duty it was to offer the incense. This happened um, daily at the morning watch and the evening watch. And it doesn't tell us, you know, was this morning or evening. But what we have concluded um, by certain other parts of the story, commentators think it was the evening. The incense for which Zechariah was responsible symbolized the prayers of the entire nation. So at the particular moment, he was the focal point. And... It makes me think, what was he thinking at that moment? What do you think it was like for him? This is a big deal that he hasn't gotten to do, and now it's his turn, and he's doing it. What do you think he was like as he entered that place at the altar to offer that incense? I think he was probably alert, humbled, appreciative. He probably was giving great attention to detail, maybe a little excited and maybe something along this, these lines, Lord, please don't let me mess this up. <laughs> please let me do it right. And as he's experiencing all of those feelings and all of those realities and knowing that he's got the, the focus of all the people's prayers in the middle of that, an angel suddenly appears. Do not be afraid. <laughs> That's easy for you to say. Like in most scenarios, it just sounds like the angel just appears out of nothing. And, and but, you know, then they just say, hey, don't be afraid. You know, that is not the natural response, right? 
So let's talk about being afraid for a little bit. So, so one level of, of afraid is being startled. And, and it says that he was at first startled. So he was startled, and then he was gripped with fear. So startled. Um, so as you know, we welcomed a new grandchild to the family this year, and it's always so sweet to watch a newborn sleeping. Um, and then sometimes that moment comes when something startles them, and their entire little body will jump. And that's why it helps so much to swaddle them because they have those little startles and they wake themselves up if you don't keep them swaddled um, so that their arms don't flail and, and, and all of that and wake them up. Uh, the other day, I got into my car to drive to an appointment and it had rained the night before. So I turned on my wipers to clean the windshield when bing, cling, clunk. Huge loud noise. My passenger side windshield wiper just broke off. Just just broke off. It was so loud and so startling. Another day, uh, recently, I walked into the living room when it was slightly dark, and I thought Craig was downstairs. And I was just, at this moment, starting to see the shape of him sitting in the chair when simultaneously he had hit the TV remote and the volume was really loud. So it like, you know, loud noise, suddenly seeing him, so startled. Now I can tell stories like this over and over and over again. Maybe I'm just easily startled. I don't know, but this happens to me so much where I'll just like, ah, like that, catch my breath, you know, and, and so, you know, it's, I don't know why, but I get startled. But those kinds of things are easy. As soon as the moment passes, and maybe after I catch my breath, it's over. I'm not still afraid. I'm not still dealing with fear, okay? Startled is one part of this, but then there's the gripped with fear. Many of the instances where an angel says, do not be afraid, first off, they're they're calming that normal startled reaction. I, I mean, if an angel stood suddenly right here, right now, I would be startled. And I would need to hear the angel say, do not be afraid. It would ha- that I think is just the most natural thing ever. But as we will discuss, there is usually something more going on than just their initial appearance that incites fear. Jesus also would calm his disciples with the words, do not be afraid. There are, there are a few times where Jesus said this to them. Matthew tells us in chapter 17 that Peter, James, and John fell on their faces to the ground when they saw Jesus transfigured before them and talking with Moses and Elijah. I think I would have too. I would have been shaking a bit. And Jesus comes over and touches them. And he says, get up. Don't be afraid. Now that is just a beautiful thing to me. I can just imagine it being very tender and Jesus himself just calming his terrified friends, letting him know it's good. I'm still, I'm here. It is me and, and all of that. Another time he said, do not be afraid. When he kind of startled them by walking toward them in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the sea. He says, 
take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now, that one to me is just plain ridiculous. Like, Jesus, what else am I going to be but afraid? What? I mean, you are, it's the middle of the night, okay? It's dark out here. We're in the middle of a huge storm. This boat has got water sloshing everywhere, and the land is way over there. We're in the middle of the sea, and you're walking out here. Yeah, we're afraid, absolutely. But he says, don't be afraid. Now, the next thing that happens is another, it doesn't really uh, make sense either, because here's what goes on. Peter ventures. Well, if it is really you... Ask me to get out of the boat and walk on the water with you. Oh, that'll cure my fear, right? What in the world? So there's some other types of being afraid to think about here. Now, the concept of fear is referred to in the Bible hundreds of times. The first place we see it is Genesis chapter 3. Do you all remember what was going on in Genesis chapter 3? That's when Adam and Eve are discovered in the garden after they have chosen to disobey. And they were afraid, the Bible tells us. The Old Testament word group most often associated with fear means to fear, honor, terror, awe, and worship. In the New Testament, it most often relates to fear, reverence, or respect. A kind of fear that I encounter often is this, fear that I am not up to the task or able to meet the demands of the situation, fear that I will fall short, fear of failure. That's a real fear that we have to face up to. In my devotional reading this week, Nikki Gumbel talked about confidence and this is a great reminder for those times when our fears are more about self-doubt or fear of failure or fear of moving forward the wrong form of confidence involves valuing yourself over and against God that's arrogance the right form of confidence involves valuing yourself in and through Christ Confidence in the natural world is self-reliance. In the spiritual world, it is God-reliance. Supremely, it involves confidence in the presence of God. That really spoke to me when I was thinking about this. Do not be afraid. The wonderful reassurance is that God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. First John 3.20. And you can be confident because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. First John 4.4. 4. Many of us learned that um, as a memory verse back in the King James language. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. This is a great confidence builder and a great help to overcome fear. I hope that will encourage someone here today like it did me. I know that this is one of the areas I've got to continually remind myself about. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
Well, a crucial understanding of fear biblically also is the difference between the fear of the Lord and the fear of man. Proverbs declares that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I loved the lyrics in that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, that prayer. One of the things it was asking for was that the wisdom of God would come to us. And the fear of the Lord is where that begins. So let's, let's look back at Zechariah a moment and, and think about the context for him. So he's in the middle of this once-in-a-lifetime experience. It's awesome, awe-inspiring. It's solemn. Zechariah was righteous in the sight of God. He was observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. He had a proper fear of the Lord. However, when he saw the angel of the Lord, the scripture says he was startled and gripped with fear. And then Gabriel says, do not be afraid. But when he responded after, after the angel had told him, you're going to have a child, his response seems ordinary. How, how can I be sure of this? I am old. I'm, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. That seems like a pretty normal question to ask. However, Gabriel's response sheds light that there was more going on there because Zechariah was not just um, answering in simple common sense, but he had shifted into unbelief. Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. That, that's, that is thrilling to hear Gabriel talking about. He stands in the presence of God. And he's trying to tell Zechariah, doubting me, it, you know, I don't take it personally, but if you're doubting me, you're doubting God. God himself sent me here to give you this message. So to maybe help you overcome your unbelief, and because you didn't believe, you will not be able to speak until this comes true. And as we read further in the chapter, that is what happened. He was not able to speak, but we do know that John the Baptist was born. In every instance of what we may consider a Christmas angel appearance, throughout all the passages that we know about the Christmas story, the person or persons to whom the angel appears says, do not be afraid. In addition to Zechariah, to Mary. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. To Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
So yes, in every situation, do not be afraid. I believe these angels are addressing much more than that momentary sense of startled or being fearful of the supernatural appearance of an angel. Consider what each of them actually heard the angels say. What if they had stayed afraid? The consequences were heavy for every single one of them. Following through on the angel's message was going to be life changing. What if Zechariah had responded in self-pity or depression? What if he had not gone home to his wife? What if Mary had not said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What if Joseph had weighed the options and determined that God had asked too much of him? What if the shepherds had not shared the good news? The angels are encouraging us today. Do not be afraid. They stand in the presence of God. They know the end from the beginning. And yes, what God is calling you to, the path he's sending you on, the stuff he's going to let you live through might be scary. It might be tough. It might require huge amount of faith, huge amount of confidence in God, a huge amount of love to make it through. But do not be afraid. I think about Peter's ridiculous response to Jesus when he saw him walking on the water. Ask me to come with you. Why would he do that? Well, maybe Peter's greatest fear was missing out on what Jesus was doing. Not getting to be where Jesus was. Maybe the fear of the Lord rose up within him, overpowering the terror of the sea. Maybe perfect love cast out fear. And our passion to follow Jesus is so powerful that we will push through those things that others fear, even if it is into the heart of a storm with nothing to stand on, but the word of the Lord, do not be afraid. Amen. Amen. Fear and love are mentioned together frequently in the scriptures. First Timothy one seven says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. First John four eighteen says that perfect love drives out fear. It's specifically talking about that fear of guilt and condemnation, the kind of thing that Adam and Eve were experiencing when after they had sinned. If you feel that kind of fear, there is good news. The very reason Jesus came was to set us free from that fear, to help us to receive forgiveness for our sins that we no longer have to fear being exposed before God. But instead, we are clothed with his righteousness because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus is the one whom thousands upon thousands of angels praise and adore and worship and serve. They are always at his beck and call, ready to do his will. Jesus is the one whom the angels stood watching, powerless, unable to move because he did not call on them. So they watched. They watched him be beaten, bruised, whipped, 
crucified. And he is the one whom angels announced, do not be afraid. He is not here. He is risen. Do not be afraid. Nothing is impossible with God. Do not be afraid. (laughs) Do not be afraid. It is not God's plan for any of us to live in fear. Yes, we are to have the fear of the Lord, but that's really the only proper fear. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 12 says this, don't fear what others fear. Don't be afraid of what they're afraid of. Instead, you have the fear of God. Those who do not fear God have much to tremble at. These final weeks, as you come to the end of the year, when you're doing a a reading through the Bible kind of thing, you read a lot of the prophets. And a lot of it is talking about the judgments of God and the the end times and, and that kind of thing. Those who do not fear God have much to tremble at because his word will not fail. It will come to pass. But those who love and fear God have nothing to fear because his word will not fail. It will come to pass. True fear of God equals unbounded courage. We can walk in confidence because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have helped us to overcome fear. (laughs) I thank you that, that you do have the host of heaven at your beck and call that, that worship you day and night. No, they, they see the end from the beginning. They understand they are not limited by our scope. They can see your glory. And yet you have sent them as ministering spirits to, to your people. <laughs> they, are, they are there uh, speaking your word and, and, and helping. And what we hear them saying today is, do not be afraid. I pray that you would help us when we are facing situations that our anxiety increases, our doubt and unbelief tries to overpower that you would help us in Jesus name to remember greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, that your perfect love cast out all fear. Mm. Thank you, Lord. If you had something specifically come to mind, Something that maybe fears not the way you've labeled it. Maybe you would call it anxiety. Maybe you would call it doubt. Maybe you would call it worry or concern. But at the root of it, there's fear going on. I want you to just offer that up to the Lord in this moment. We're just going to pause for a moment.
I thank you for the promise that we sang today that no weapon formed against us will stand. No weapon formed against us will stand. Perfect love casts out all fear. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You have said to us, do not be afraid. It is me. I am here with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I pray for every person here that that situation that they've lifted up before you that has caused fear or anxiety or doubt or worry, help us to lean in heavy on you today, Lord, to receive your power, your wisdom, and your love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. As a benediction today, I'd like us to read the the this, um, prophecy that Zechariah gave. So after he left his time, he went home. Elizabeth did conceive, gave birth to a child. The community thought he should be named a family name, but Zechariah was like, no, his name is John. And once he wrote it out for them, his name is John. Then his tongue was loosed and he was able to speak again. And here is what he spoke. And um, I would ask us to all stand and we're just going to read this together as a benediction. This is his prophecy. And it's a very encouraging word. Let us read together. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David. Just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago, now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Amen and amen. Let's go forth in the power of the Lord and do not be afraid. Amen.